Interior. Night. Recording studio. Two redheads begin pre-show warm-ups. Red leather, yellow leather, red leather, yellow leather. Jack, write that you gargle your water or something. Jack gargles some water. And then put that we say, welcome to Script Shop. Who? Me or you? Mm-hmm. You say it. Welcome to Script Shop. N- no, but like, really, say it. Like, right now. Like, right now. Let's go for it. Welcome to Scrimshaw. No, Jack. Top. <laughs> Omaha. No, Jack. Welcome to Script Shop. And this is Script Shop. Hello, everybody. My name is Jack, and I like fruit-based desserts. Mm. Hi, I'm Allison, and I like, um... Sleeping in the middle of the bed <laughs> Which I'm sure by your, myself. Your husband is thrilled about. Uh, I know he hates it. Well, yeah, I know. That's what I'm saying. It's I know. <laughs> Hi there. Welcome to Script Shop. Welcome this to is, Script Shop. This is a show where we talk about our favorite desserts and our general sleeping habits. <laughs> so thank you for tuning in and listening. We mm-hmm. really appreciate it. Yes. We also talk about screenwriters and their scripts and the work that they love because it is really, really easy to love someone else's work if you can learn how much they love it. So yeah. here on Script Shop, we like getting to know screenwriters, their scripts, what makes them tick, and therefore what makes us tick. Thank you for listening. We appreciate it. Yep. Uh, we are online. If we, if you're so inclined to check us out, we would really appreciate it. We have scriptshopshow.com uh, where you can uh, learn about the different episodes we have there. You can meet us a little bit more. Uh, there is a submit option if you mm-hmm. want to turn your work into us. Uh, that's a available for you as well scriptshopshow.com right when, slash submit when jack says turn your work into us basically what happens is you send us your favorite script that you've written uh your self-written script jack and i read it mm-hmm. i tell you thank you so much for sending this in we'll be in touch asap we read it we try to get it scheduled on the show and then once we get you scheduled on the show you would be doing exactly what our writer here today is doing which is either um calling in or if you happen to live in the cincinnati area visiting us in studio yeah. here and uh, our person today, our uh, screenwriter, per- our woman of the hour, the screenwriter, oh, yeah. woman by the name of Mia McCullough, who has written a 127-page narrative feature called Hotline. Oh, yeah. And we are totally jazzed about this script. We love this one. one of the great things about reading different scripts is that you get to talk about a lot of really important um, social, political Issues, personal issues, all kinds of really great stuff. And this is going to be one of those episodes where we get to dive into some of those things. Well, and, you know, just the, the person's life. Obviously, if you're a writer, your your life is going to influence your work. And then also the, the world around you is going to influence your work. And this was uh, this. I really this is a, it's, it's got a cool concept. It's yeah. a fun script. I like the characters. I, this is a very cool script. I'm very much looking forward to talking to Mia. Yeah, me too. Um, and real quick, before we get into that, Jack, what are you watching and or reading lately? Uh, you know, the one thing I did want to say that I'm looking forward to, I have not started to watch it yet, but I just saw the other night that Lady Dynamite Season 2 has hit on Netflix. I am lost because I have no idea what that is. Lady Dynamite was a series, they they did a Season 1 last year. It's the uh, the comedian and shoot, I feel like such a jerk because I'm totally blanking on her name right now. Let me see if I can Google it. Really uh, I'm going to have to stall here. It's, it's, she's uh, She's been a stand-up for a long time, and the show, season one, is very uh, upfront about her uh, dealing with mental illness. She's uh, she's had some issues. It's extremely funny. I'm killing myself right now, the fact that I can't think of her name. Lady Dynamite. Um, everything on online is like a mesmer. Maria Bamford. Maria Bamford. She's brilliant. She's been around for a long time. Lady Dynamite season one is one of the most underrated funny shows that I've ever seen and I'm dying. Does she have a mental illness? Yeah, she she was hospitalized for a while. And that's what season one is about is her going into this mental hospital and being very upfront about her issues with stuff and she's brilliant and she's funny and I'm dying to watch season two. Yeah. What are you watching? Um, well, this goes hand in hand with laying in the middle of the bed because sometimes I'll ask <laughs> Philip, my husband, to bring the TV upstairs to our Go room. Go on. <laughs> okay. <laughs> this, now I'm Keep turning going. bright red. Okay, so um, I'm doing a lot of Mad Men reruns. Oh, I gotcha. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, yeah. Um, and those are so nice because... Mad Men is such an incredible show. Mm-hmm. I know everybody's been talking about it for ages, but it's because it's so good. The slow burn on that show is like incredible. And it's fun getting back into it and rewatching it. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I, honestly, I think this is like my third or fourth time. Score. Yeah. Nice. Yeah. That's yeah. how I am with Sopranos. Um, which I still haven't seen. You want to yeah. do that? We watch need to party? change that. Yeah. 
that's our spinoff is just me and you watching The Sopranos. Yeah, uh, tune in next week when we start putting up shows of just us watching television. <laughs> just me and Jack doing stuff together. It's going to be a lot of fun. Holding hands and like... <laughs> going to the grocery store. <laughs> Jack, are these your undies or mine? Like doing our laundry together. I don't think there's going to be any question. <laughs> Although maybe, I don't know. I don't want to presume. Oh, Are we ready to get out of this? We, yeah, did we yeah, cover yeah. everything we need to cover? Uh, thank you to iHeartMedia. Yes, uh, for providing us with uh, the facilities that uh, we are currently using. Thank you, iHeartMedia Cincinnati. Yep, and uh, follow us online. We did all that stuff. And Frank, anything you want to talk about watching and reading? No, he quickly shook his head. Did no. he shake his head? All right. No. No, Frank. All right, let's jump into it. Let's go to Mia. Hi, Mia, are you there? I am. Hi. Hi, Mia. Welcome to the show. Thank you very much for coming on. We're excited to talk to you. Thanks for having me. Hey, Mia, what are you reading or watching lately since we just hit this hot-button topic? Mm. Uh, let's see. Uh, I just finished watching The Night Of on HBO. Ooh. Oh, yeah. I heard that's intense, right? Yeah, it's really well done. Uh, I like that a lot. Uh, I We also watched The Handmaid's Tale Ooh. pretty recently, which I love. Yeah. Um, Better Call Saul is one of my favorite series. I haven't seen that um, one. Because That's it's good. Just so visually beautiful, mm. as well as being well written. Yeah. Um, which I would say is the same for The Handmaid's Tale as well, and The Night of um, Dear White People, mm-hmm. as far as comedies, mm-hmm. is something that uh, I have really enjoyed. And we're just starting Stranger Things. Ooh, there you go. As in Stranger Things season one or season two? No, season two. Okay. Um, one of my former students actually works on Stranger Things, and so she had me tuned in like from the moment it started. That's oh, cool. cool. Good for you. Yeah. So yeah. I'll be calling you for all my tips and tricks on season three. <laughs> yeah. I don't know that Caitlin's given me anything, but it's always possible. All right. We'll see what we can do. Kind of, you know. Send a couple of lottery tickets Caitlin's way and see what comes back in return. Why would you just send her money? What are you taking a chance that she wouldn't win anything by sending her a lottery ticket? Just send her money and then she wins. Uh, I don't know. <laughs> Where are you at? I am in Chicago. Chi-town. Yeah. Have you, did you grow up there or have you uh, just been there recently since being an adult? Uh, I, uh, I've actually, I've been here since 88, but you know, I came out here to go to college and I've been here ever since. Okay. And, uh, I, but I grew up in New York. Oh, wow. Okay. So you're hitting the, you're a city gal. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I was born in Manhattan and then I was raised mostly in the burbs about 11 miles north of the Bronx. And, uh, then, yeah, I've been living, I, I actually live about five blocks outside of the city of Chicago. Mm, that okay. sounds fun. I like yeah. Chicago a lot. It is a lovely place. Mm-hmm. I like it a lot as well. Um, what did you go to school for? I uh, went in as a theater major, but I got into this program that Northwestern used to have called the Creative Writing for the Media Program, uh, where you basically learn how to write for the stage, for the big screen, and for the little screen. Mm-hmm. So it's, it was almost like a mini MFA that you could have as an undergrad. It was fantastic and like it covered like the different strategies of different kinds of media like that yeah yeah and it was a a two-year intensive program where you took a course in writing every single quarter yeah i and you know mfa programs um i love them or bfa mfa all those kind of intensive training for creatives Mm -hmm. they're incredible they're just like so life-changing and uh sometimes terrifying and kind of open you up to who you are and what you're doing I can. When you were writing during that time, um, did you have like a very self-assured voice as a young writer, or did you find yourself really exploring a lot of different stuff during then? Um, I would say I had a fairly confident voice, even as a college student. I, ha- I always, I've always had a very good sense of dialogue um, and not a great sense of structure, and so the structure is something that is really been a challenge as I've gotten, and actually screenwriting is great because screenwriting has so much built-in st- structure, but I'm also a playwright, so which doesn't have as much structure imposed upon it, so yeah, okay. that has been the thing that, where I have grown the most, but I would also say in the last 10 years that uh, my voice has changed a lot, I've, I play more with non-realism and things like that, so... Um, okay, so I just want to I want to get in a little deeper into some of those things. So, like differences in structuring between um, 
a play script versus a screen script? What do you think some of the, the most defining differences are? Well, I, I feel like the way plays started, it was sort of the, the hero story. The expectation is there is one protagonist and you're following that person and everything sort of crescendos to a climax and has the, its denouement. And that's how plays used to be. And then movies came up and that's how movies became. And then plays like, were like, we should be something else. And so suddenly structure became jumping back and forth in time in different ways and existing in more than one time and space at the same time and not having to be about one character but more ensemble pieces, which does happen in film but is much less common. So I feel like the script, the film structure is, you know, whether or not you talk about it as a three-act structure or a four-act structure, there are certain expectations that you know what the stakes are by page 10 you have some big event that brings you from Act 1 into Act 2. You still have your climax towards the end of the script and your denouement, which is Act 3. And plays just are, are different creatures now. Yeah. You know, that's really interesting because we were talking with another screenwriter who was talking about how in short film you can really play around with some of the experimentalism that you lose when you just do kind of straightforward features. Yeah. Yeah, that's true. Mm -hmm. I think a lot of it, too, is just tying it up in, like, funding and producing and what you do with finished, I'm air-quoting, finished products in terms of, like, actual video, film, et cetera. Yeah. Um, yeah. I mean, there's so much money involved that they're, the, the people aren't willing to take risks. Right. Exactly. Which, you know, sometimes pays off and sometimes doesn't at all. I think a lot of the creative team and the direction and vision behind that can really can really dictate what those things are. Mia, yeah. as a writer, do you take into consideration things like, well, boy, this script I'm writing is going to be expensive, and does that sort of guide where the story goes for you, or do you just want to get it down however it feels? Uh, I do think about budget a little bit. I, I try not to let it hinder me. I guess I try to make a decision at some point as to whether or not this is something that you know, I'm really going to have to try and sell versus something I might be able to produce myself. Um, with Hotline, definitely the animation that's involved was a big question for me. I had no idea how expensive that would be or how challenging it would be. And then I, had, I have a cousin who used to work at Pixar, and he's like, yeah, most people just send their stuff to China, and it's not that expensive. Oh, okay. Like, okay. So I, I kind of stopped worrying about that, but because that by far is one of my most favorite parts about this script is how the main character has these little like daydream fantasy sort of moments where it, it turns into this sketched out like aha video comic book sort of scene. Yeah. Yeah, it was really and it was so funny when you said how many pages the script was. I was like, "Oh my god, why is it so long?" And then I'm like, "Oh, it's cuz of the animation." Mhm. Mm but yeah, it doesn't read long though. It doesn't. No. It doesn't feel like a it, you know a two hour. It, it feels like it, it's a tight ninety. Is what it feels like. Yeah, I don't think it's not a two hour film. Yeah, but with you know describing all of the animation and then having the dialogue running under some of it is just takes up space. Yeah, it's like a parts of it become a graphic novel <laughs> almost in my head when I'm reading it. Yeah, absolutely. That's that's what it should be. And, you know, right before we start kind of jumping into the script, you said that your voice has been changing as a writer within the last 10 years. How come? Like, what's been going on in the last 10 years that you're taking this different direction? I don't know exactly. I don't know if it's being a mother, um, if seeing the world a little bit differently, of just sort of uh, getting really fed up with the status quo and, and taking my gloves off and just trying new things and not caring whether or not people like it or whether or not it works, you know, and just trying, uh, you know, I, I've stopped worrying about being polite. And, mm -hmm. um, I, you know, one of the things that when I teach, I do a class uh, with my students where I kick, I kick the boys out and I just sit there with the women and talk to them about what it is to be a woman in this industry and that, you know, we have all these impulses to be polite all the time and that we can't be polite with what we're writing. We can't be polite with, what, with our art. And as I started giving this spiel to my students every year, I was like, am I doing this myself? Am I actually taking oh, my yeah. own advice? And I think wow. that really allowed me to 
turn a lens back on myself and change the way that I was looking at things. Yeah. Do you think that that, I mean, have you been given this spiel to these women since you have become a mother in the last 10 to 14 years, as I know from insider information? <laughs> um, I Well, I started teaching uh, at Northwestern when my son was like two. So I guess I don't have a, I mean, I've always been teaching them as a mother, um, but I've also been, you know, I've always been a feminist. I've always been really aware of how girls are treated differently. And it's so funny because in the educational system, like I look at the, the people sitting around the table when we're workshopping and we're talking about different issues and the women in my class are not afraid to speak up. They are, they will talk over the boys. They do not let themselves get interrupted. Uh, there is none of that dynamic that you see out in the real world, I guess. And I'm like, this is so interesting to me that there has been the safe space and the sort of equal space created in the educational system that has lasted all the way through college. And then they get out and it is like being splashed in the face with a bucket of cold water because mm. they run into these old school dinosaurs who don't care and who treat them like objects and who talk over them and interrupt them or never listen to a word they say because they're too busy staring down their shirts. Mm. And so it's, it's interesting to me to see these women get to this point where they really don't understand how sexist the world is, They're completely shielded from it, and then knowing that they're going to walk into it. And I try and prep them, and I often get emails from them like several years later saying, wow, I mean, I appreciated that talk when you gave it to us, but I didn't understand that talk until now. Right. Well, isn't that the way when you try to teach young people? Like, And I remember this, you know, just as a personal antidote that, like, my parents, they did a great job trying to teach me a lot, how to be prepared for the world. And then I actually went out into it by myself. And unintentionally and also intentionally, I messed every morality lesson they taught me and I didn't know until I had gone through it for myself what my value was and where I stood on a lot of these issues because they had told me but I couldn't know and I couldn't decide for myself and then it was like what rings true with me yeah mm-hmm. I think it's super cool that you take the time to try to give the girls in your class a heads up I, I think that's extremely valuable well I they have given me feedback that it was valuable so hopefully I them um, in terms of teaching, could you talk to us a little bit about what you do in your day-to-day life now? Ha. Huh. Okay. Yeah, I don't teach anymore. Um, I after ten years, I was really burnt out. Uh, I do. I ha- I juggle about five different jobs. I do occasionally teach. I am an arts administrator at a new play development organization in Chicago called Chicago Dramatists, where we teach playwriting and screenwriting, actually. And so one of the things I do is hire the teachers and plot out the curriculum and all that business. Uh, and then I am also a playwright, and I have a couple of plays being produced in the next year, so that is part of my job. Um, I am producing a web series now, so that is job number three, and WOW is producing hard. Right. To anybody who does it because, you know, like I'm doing it because I have to, but I know there are people who are like, if this is what I want to do in the arts is I want to produce. I'm like, okay, <laughs> thank you. Uh, and then my um, fifth job, which I don't do very often anymore, is working on a crisis line at a domestic violence wow. shelter. Oh, so this, and so this script was born out of that work? This script was born out of working at the shelter and then one of my uh, best friends from college, who was actually in the writing program with me, uh, revealed to me one day that she had started working as a phone sex worker. And I was like, no, you have to tell me everything, which she did. Like, she really told me everything. And it was so fascinating to me. And I had this day where I was like, I think you help people more than I do. Wow! Yeah, you're so this this script is so this script is so born out of and, and informed by real stuff. That's I'm so happy to hear that. Oh yeah, no, it's born out of real stuff. So when you know that moment where I had that realization that maybe you know she was actually helping people more than I was on a crisis line, I was like, wow, I oh. need to sort of look at that. And that's where it started. How about that? Can you just talk a little bit more about what you mean when you said she was helping people on a crisis line? 
Like, because I know in the script. As, as a phone sex worker? Yeah. yeah. Um, well, like, for instance, there, I mean, there were a lot of men who called her who just did not know how to connect with women in real life. And, like, there was one person who was a doctor, and she, she was like, well, you're a doctor and you can't get a date? I don't understand this. And he's like, yeah, well, you know, sometimes I go to bars, but I don't know how to talk to women. And she's like, well, what do you wear to the bars? And he's like, well, my clothes. Like, she's like, you don't wear your scrubs from work? He's like, why would I do that? Those are work clothes. She's like, you go to a bar yeah. in your scrubs <laughs> and look like you had a really hard day, and I guarantee some women will come over that's and talk an, to you. That's yeah. an, I'm, like, grinning to myself because that's ingenious. <laughs> your, friend is, your friend is brilliant. She is brilliant, and, you know, and that's what he did. And, like, their relationship, while there was phone sex involved, was so much more about her pushing him out into the world yeah. and making him go find real women. Mm-hmm. And, you know, so t- for me, that was fascinating, uh, you know, that she would be, like, helping these people in this way, you know, or, you know, just because, there, you know, she was, I think, in some ways saving some marriages where there were certain kinds of sex that one of the partners wasn't willing to have, and she was willing to, you know, have it virtually over mm-hmm. the phone, and therefore keeping them from going out and actually cheating right well because that's i mean you you need if 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 there is something that you're that you have that you desire i mean you keep it bottled up it's going to come out in a really weird way in a way you don't intend for it to this way it sort of functions as an outlet yes um i do want to just interject for our listeners that the script we're talking about hotline we talk about it being an emergency crisis line etc but it's very sex positive and we will be talking about sex in a lot of different ways during this show Mm. um you know of course we're talking about right now using phone sex as a conduit for some of these fantasies that may keep marriages from falling apart and i know people can have a lot of complicated feelings about that Mm. so if you're listening and you're having complicated feelings just keep listening it's good for everybody, honestly. Or call up your, your regular phone sex employee, and you can work it out with them and have them listen to the show, too. That's true. Yeah. <laughs> so I feel like that's a really good segue to get into. Uh, let's talk about the log line of the script and the, the setting and the tone and all that stuff. Yeah, Mia, you want to you wanna send us into this? Yeah. Okay, I'll read you my log line, which I, I don't love, but I got it. Uh, it's a phone sex worker and a crisis line worker slash comic book creator who are best friends and roommates, independently break their professional codes by getting personally involved with callers and putting their friendship and their safety in jeopardy. Mm-hmm. Okay. Mm. Yeah, that definitely does it. Um, and in your script, can we talk about like the year and the city and uh, kind of the ages of some of your characters, etc.? Yeah, I, uh, I didn't pick a city, uh, sort of on purpose. Because I was, you know, I was like, I want this to get shot somewhere, and I don't want to make it get stuck somewhere where I have to shoot in New York or I have to shoot in Chicago. Uh, you know, it, it could be Toronto. It could be anywhere in North America, really. Uh, the, the time, I feel like, is probably, I don't know, I'd have to go back and really look through. Mm-hmm. I think it could still be now. I it think it still works as now. It feels very contemporary. Yeah, it, yeah I think so. Yeah, I mean, I did. I wrote it a few years ago. I was, I was saying to Jack, I can't remember exactly, you know, somewhere in the two to five years ago range. Uh, but it is, you know, it feels like it's still contemporary. Mm-hmm. I, the, the reason that when I, we were talking before the show started, and I was asking you how long ago you wrote it, part of the one of the vibes that I sort of got off it was almost like kind of a 90s vibe i sort of was thinking about like singles and you know a lot of those like indie uh personal friends sort of movies even a, a little bit of a kevin smith vibe from the comic yeah, like book stuff amy. yeah very chasing yeah. amy yeah and i mean all this is a compliment because i thought it really that a lot of the script worked for me because of that tone yeah i do think i mean because these ca- i wonder if it's because that's when i was in my 20s and i feel like these characters are in their late 20s maybe early 30s pushing it but probably more like late 20s yeah and uh certainly you know when i when people are like well what film is it like i'm like oh that's hard <laughs> but chasing amy is the the closest one that i came to yeah, I'm with you on such that. a male perspective and this one is not right that's true 
Okay, well, you want to read a little yeah, bit I of really this? Do. Yeah, I really do. Um, so we have a selection from the script, and um, Mia, I'll let you I'll let you help me intro this a little bit, but the piece that we're going to be reading is that Karina, um, one of our characters who is a phone sex worker, she is out on a date with a guy named Harry that she t- met, I guess, through the internet, talks to on the phone. She's encouraging Harry to get out into the world, and these two characters find themselves on the back of Harry's car. Um, would you like to add anything to that, Mia? Uh, yeah, I would say that this is a character that she has developed a crush on and mm-hmm. that uh, her roommate, Sasha, who is the crisis line phone worker, is not excited about. Yeah, she's actively against the idea that Karina is going to meet this guy who's she's told her is a, a very socially awkward, cut off, underdeveloped, however you want to say it. He's, he's a little bit of a weirdo, right? Well, yeah, and in, even then, I don't know that Sasha believes. You know, she's like, well, that's what he says he is. Right. He could be anybody. Right. He could be a serial killer. And so Sasha is very protective of Karina and is not happy that she has taken this step away from the phone and into in-person Right. And Car- Sasha is sitting in a bar with their friend Daisy because um, Karina is smart enough to kind of bring, I guess, just people along yeah. in, in this meeting. And so um, in the scene as well, we are in the car, but there's a couple of text messages that go back and forth, et cetera. Yeah. Um, So Jack is going to be reading the part of Harry. I will be reading Karina. And Frank is here today to read all of our action headings. If you want to say hi, Frank. Hi. 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 Nice to see you. (laughs) Thanks for coming in, Frank. Appreciate it. (laughs) Um, Okay. So, Frank, whenever you're ready, you can take it away. Interior. Harry's car. Night. Karina and Harry are sitting in the back seat. It's a bit cramped. They are not touching. Harry is almost trembling. Is this better? This might be worse. Why? Her phone buzzes. It's a text from Sasha. Are you okay? Karina types, I'm fine, and hits send. Who's that? It's just my roommate checking in. What are we going to do? Whatever you want to do. I, I want to touch you everywhere, but... But what? Well, one, I don't know how to touch a woman, and I don't want to do it wrong. But we've talked through it a million times on the phone. This is different, and I need to know how much it costs because I didn't bring that much cash. This completely knocks the wind out of Karina. Am I not supposed to ask how much it costs? I told you I was doing this because I wanted to. But we never talked about touching, about physical contact you just said meet for a drink do you want me to get out of the car no can you compute in your brain that i want you to touch me but i don't want your money harry takes a good look at her that doesn't really make sense to me she takes up his hand in both of hers harry you are the sweetest caller i have you always without fail Ask me how I am, if my parents are speaking to me. And I think you need this. I think you need someone to help you out of this paralyzing fear. And I want to help you. But you have to let me. And you have to tell me when to stop, when you want me to stop. Okay? Okay. Here we are. Scene. Very nice job. <laughs> Thank you. We were, we were waiting there in silence for you to tell us how much you enjoyed that just now. <laughs> it was very nice. It was fun to hear it. Oh, it's such a sweet scene. Karina, too. You know, it is very interesting to have this character who's a phone sex worker and then, like, is using this to really connect with men and mm-hmm. help them, like we were talking about, connect with women. And just the way she speaks to him and the way that... <laughs> she appropriately talks about consent, et cetera, is, mm-hmm. is just, like, really beautiful and so refreshing. Oh, good. Thank you. You know, the first, the first question that I wrote down after having read the script a couple times that I wanted to ask you, but we sort of already know the answer now, my first question was, are you Sasha or are you Karina or are you both or neither? Yeah, I'm definitely more Sasha. <laughs> so you know, in- I mean, that's definitely the job I've had, and... While her personality is not identical to mine, it's not that different, I guess. Yeah. Yeah. So this this so this script goes Sasha's the main character and she and Karina are roommates. 
And Sasha is working, among other things, at this women's shelter, working, handling the crisis line on a somewhat regular basis at night Mm -hmm. recently. And she gets a call from this guy who just sort of had a fight with his girlfriend and pushed her. And he feels terrible about it, and he's just trying to get a handle on anything in his life. Meantime, Sasha's also dating this guy, this other guy. Different guys. Different guy. Yep, trying to date, I guess. Yeah, trying. They're giving it a shot. Yeah. And he's sort of coming around, and he meets Karina. Uh, Where we find out that Karina's job is as a phone sex worker, because she does it at home a lot. So there's a lot of really fun um, (laughs) orgasms, (laughs) (laughs) you know, for lack of a better I mean, is there a better word? I don't know. It's it's what it is. Uh, In the house, because, of course, they all live in this shared space. So new boyfriends meets Karina by kind of getting introduced to her job. And he starts secretly calling her because... I guess he's just into her. He's he's into, into what's it. Into, into it. it. Yeah. So yeah. he wants to get to know her a little better. He's not as into Sasha anymore. Uh, things build up. Sasha starts to develop a relationship with the dude that was calling who's concerned. Keeps calling on the phone. Keeps calling. At night. Yeah. So she's building up this relationship with him. Meantime, she's also working on her comic book career. She's trying to get published. She's trying to be a successful artist and writer. And as the course of the movie plays out, certain moments, she has these sort of daydream fantasy things like we talked about where she's this like sketch happens where if there's an angry guy beating on the front door of the women's shelter and he's he's upset about his his girlfriend or his wife being in there and she'll play out a bit in her head where she grabs a gun and blasts him through the door and it's all comic book drawn out yeah like i said it's like it's did, did you have an idea of like the like that aha take on me video oh god i don't know if i've seen the aha take on me video i must have oh i mean now that's the class that's the where it, she sort of the girl goes into this comic book world and she's with this guy and they're running away from like race car drivers and it's all like this live action sketched out sort of thing oh i'm gonna have to go look that up oh it's mm-hmm. a classic that's mm-hmm. a classic music video absolutely that's what that's oh. how i saw it in my head as i was reading your script I'm really embarrassed because, like, my internship when I was in college was at MTV Studios. <laughs> 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 yeah, but that was the '90s, so I mean, you were—it was, you know—they were trying to move on to new stuff at that point. <laughs> All um, right, thank you for trying to make me feel better about that. That's true. It's okay. <laughs> um, so basically, both of these two women, their careers begin progressing as well. Um, we have Sasha who gets some success with her comic book stuff. Mm-hmm. Karina does end up eventually working out kind of this sex therapy thing. Um, we have a big event that occurs well, between them all. And there's a thing with Daisy. Daisy is an right. intern at the women's shelter who is younger and a little more troubled. And a lot of Daisy's bad choices end up culminating in a bad evening for uh, the Harry character that we were uh, had before. Yeah, Harry has a rough go of it in the script. <laughs> but he's got a great ending. Right. So, and I want to know, too, because we talked about your ex- you basically working at um, a, a women's shelter or running a crisis hotline. And how long did you do that for? And what was it like for you? Um. Well, I have done it on and off since 1999. Uh, I did it really steadily from 99 till uh, my son was born in 2003. And then it's been sort of spotty on and off since then. Um, it was a really, you know, it's funny because my web series that I'm working on is also based on, it basically takes place in a domestic violence shelter. Wow. And, uh, so one of the things about writing this script and writing those scripts is, like, I don't want to uh, betray anybody's confidentiality by telling stories of real people that I've seen. Yeah. Fair so enough. A, a lot of it is um, coming up with new things that did not happen to me and that I haven't seen or culminations of, you know, like taking little bits of different women who have passed through or different women who have worked at the shelter and turning them into separate characters. And so it's, it's been an interesting challenge to not copy my experience and yeah. be protective of the people who have come through. Well, not to mention also, so you talked about how you were teaching for a while and you kind of got burned out on that. But this sort of job, which I can't even begin to imagine the the stuff that 
you've seen people dealing with in their lives, it, there's got to be some kind of burnout factor on that, too. There is a huge burnout factor, but uh, I don't work often enough to trigger it now. Okay. Certainly back in the late 90s, early 2000s, there was a point in time where it was, I was working a lot of hours. My boss, at one point, her husband died, and so I was doing 40 hours a week. And I was like, wow, this is not a sustainable yeah. model. Mm-hmm. And one of my friends is a counselor at the shelter, and she's been there longer than 99. She'd been working there a few years before then, and I don't know how she does it. Yeah. Because the burnout is hard. It's a very, I guess you have to compartmentalize. It is a job that you can leave at 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 work. You can figure out how to leave it at work. It's hard some days, but yeah. I, I will say when I was pregnant, it was harder just because of the hormones and the emotions. And there was one day yeah. where one of my bosses looked at me after a rough call and she's like, you have to go home. Mm-hmm. You're done. You're not working on the line anymore. Mm-hmm. She's like, go have your baby. <laughs> and it was, it was like emotionally affecting me far more than I think it would have otherwise just yeah. because I had so many hormones racing through me and being around little kids who are in abusive situations and, mm. and then you start thinking about your own child and it's, it's, yeah, how could you not? Thing. Right. Yeah. Do you know, one of the things that's so interesting about that too, is that when I was reading the script, Sasha, of course, drawing and art, and it seems as a way for her to process a lot of what she's dealing with on a day-to-day basis, kind of this art therapy outlet that she has as she's working at this crisis center. Yeah, it's definitely, it's, it's sort of how her anxiety becomes solid. You know, it's how, I think it's both, like, the, the flashes that we see in the film that are her imagination are sort of her anxiety sparking. Mm-hmm. But when she writes it down, when she physically makes her comics, I think that's how she gets all of that, her overactive imagination and her anxiety out of her head and onto some paper where it's still all those things, but it's not inside of her anymore right she physicalizes it yeah and she too because you know she answers the crisis line and a lot of the times what we start seeing when she starts talking to this man on the phone is that she tries to visualize their faces Mm. as well um and instead of just having voices she works on building who she thinks this person is in terms Mm -hmm. of her drawings um is that where did that come from for you uh, I think for me, you know, I certain I don't sit there and draw people's faces when they're talking to me on the phone, but I definitely decide what they look like. You know, I, I make an assumption about what their ethnicity is and how tall they are and whether or not they have long hair or short hair or how old they are. And then a lot of times the next time I'm back in, I see them and I'm like, wow, that is so not who I thought that was. Well, let me just say, we've been talking for a little over a half hour now, and I can just say, you're welcome, Mia. <laughs> <laughs> We've been talking for a little bit. Jack. I'm just, you know, you're welcome. Where did, where yeah. did where, No, it's true. I have I have pictured both of you. Where did the idea of Flattered. incorporating ha- having Sasha's character be an artist who has these little artistic moments? Where did that come from? Are you a, are you a comic book person or No, I'm totally not a comic book person. I don't remember where that came from and it was really early on you know I always when I'm writing my scripts I do sort of character bios first Mm -hmm. you know when I came up with this idea I remember I was on uh, g-chat with my friend who's the phone sex worker and you know this is how she was relaying stories to me and she would occasionally actually g-chat with me while she was on the phone oh my gosh that's so cool if it was like a really like a a, a call that where she could you know i hate to say this phone it in (laughs) all right that was so bad i hate them i I can't believe i just said that that was great occasionally she would message me uh, while she was on calls, uh, but or you know, I'd be up writing something, and she'd be like, "Hang on, I got to take a call." And then you know, twenty minutes later, she's like, "They're done." And then <laughs> sometimes tell me about it, sometimes not tell me about it. But when the when the idea struck me, 
I was working on something else, and I remember being like, oh, no, I just got an idea for yeah. a screenplay. <laughs> like, I'm going to try and hold it off. And, like, I don't even think I could hold it off a day. Mm-hmm. And I was like, okay, you just have to sit down and write the character bios and figure out who these two women are that, you know, were some version of her and some version of me. Mm-hmm and uh, who the other people are and who the other players are, and then go. Because mm. so. it's, a, it's a great, I don't want to say gimmick, because I feel like that sort of diminishes what it is, but the, the whole bit with the, the sketch stuff playing out is such a cool like hook in, on top of a, a script with really good characters and a good plot, too. Like, it's, just, it's a great combination of everything. Well, thank you. Yeah, I was, you know, it's it's a device that I hopefully adds a new device. layer. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah, device. That's, device is a good word for that's it. The, that's the college 101 word there. It's better than right. gimmick, that's for sure. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, you know, I want to talk a little bit about antagonist in this script because, mm-hmm. um, you know, we're dealing with a, a crisis center as well, but we ultimately end up... Um, kind of having an accidental antagonist and I just want to know what you think about an antagonist in the script and what you see it as. Mm-hmm. Who do you see as the accidental antagonist? Man, I mean, just being super, super literal in terms of events that play out on the page, I, it's Daisy. Right. But, mm-hmm. you know, ultimately the antagonist throughout the whole thing is like sexual repression, really. Yeah, yeah, for sure. You know, I, I Daisy is she is a, a, a complicated young woman, and I had uh, a little. I, I had some guilt. I'm like, am, is, is this a trope? Is is the is the crazy lesbian a trope? The unstable girl? I don't know, but I I hope that uh, I humanize her in a good way uh, because I I didn't I needed somebody to be causing trouble right. and bringing the conflict about, but I didn't want to create a person that we hated. Right. You know, which is funny because it's the, in some ways it's a screenplay about a comic strip, you know, or about, about comics, which have villains, which have very, very clear yeah. antagonists. And, you know, I think that this is one of the things that, Sasha struggles with uh, another piece of her is that her father has been in prison for most of her life for killing someone, right. for killing his partner. And, you know, she in some ways works on these comic strips because things are very black and white for her with her father. Yeah. And part of her journey in this script is finding the nuance that allows her to reconnect with him, even on a very minimal level. Well, and she has to find nuance with the budding relationship that she has with this Todd guy who called her in the middle of the night when she was working, and he's talking about how he hit his girlfriend, and mm-hmm. she keeps sort of seeing him in different situations where they're, they're exes, they're breaking up, and he's upset, and they have some angry phone calls, and he's throwing stuff, and she, as things progress, she realizes that it, he's not necessarily an abusive dude, but and in fact, I think they point out that it was self-defense, really, right? Yeah, yeah, but I mean, she doesn't know that right Not for a the long very end. time, and and she certainly, you know, she feels really compelled by him and compelled by his vulnerability over the phone, mm-hmm. and she gets drawn into him in really not the most healthy way. I mean, she stalks him, right? Yeah. Uh, you know, and for me, I wanted to write a story where. Even our protagonists behave badly. Right. You know, where we're seeing people, where everybody does things that are on face value not morally correct Mm -hmm. uh, or cool. I think it makes them human. Yeah, you know, but hopefully we we like them enough that we still go on the ride with them. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Well, I think, too, um, you know, in current times and also in, I'm going to just assume, past times, sexuality and the way that people interact with each other can get very gray and very vague. Mm. And a lot of it has to do with people not totally being educated really on kind of the sexual rights that a person has. So what mm-hmm. what I see happening throughout the script is that you have these basically these three women, um, Sasha, Daisy, and Karina, who have very distinct 
um, se- sexual perspectives, but mm-hmm. then all of the characters in the script they they trip through like two to three gray areas of sexuality, and these things run into each other. They they can crystallize in some things and then kind of fade out into something different. Mm-hmm. And and the script is so powerful because you explore these things, yeah. whereas they're not totally. They're not explored. They're not fleshed out a lot of times. They remain vague general ideas for a lot of people. You know, the thing that was really interesting to me, I had a a staged reading of this script. Well, it wasn't staged. It was a reading. It was music stands and actors on stage reading the script for an audience a couple of years ago. And the conversation that happened afterwards really surprised me because several people said that the script made them question their own judgment about sexuality. Wow. Like, they really thought about how they judge other people for what they do. Yeah. I mean, that's high praise. Well, and I wasn't, I mean, that wasn't, like, my goal. You know, in some ways I was like, I want to write a fun romp (laughs) that has some serious undertones, but I want, you know, because in a lot of ways the, the script while it has dramatic points to it, is there's a lot of comedy in there. It's got the animation going on, so it's, it's sort of in this weird genre place. But I definitely, you know, I was like, I wanted it to be this sort of fun, sex-positive script. Right. And that people would, you know, you could go on a date to this movie, you could come yeah. out, you could feel sexy, you could feel like you laughed. But that people were questioning their perspective, their own perspective and how they judged other people for what they did sexually was really interesting to me. Mm-hmm. And it was definitely not what I was trying to do necessarily, so it was interesting that it's what I ended up doing. But yeah, that's a great happy accident result when people start like getting serious issues and that's, it's, it's art. It touches them. It, it makes them think about stuff in a way that they hadn't before. Well, and honestly, I think it, it all just comes down to writing truthful characters that, that are complicated and that people want to like and therefore have to say, gosh, I have judgments about people who would do phone sex, but I really like that character, so maybe I need to think about what that is. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And, you know, so I think, you know, character is definitely my strong suit. That's where I start. That's where I build off from. I make complicated people. And... You know, so I think that that is what taps into that and makes people question and think is because they do get attached to those human beings. Mm-hmm. You know, we talk about Sasha being a bit of you. We talk, I'm assuming Karina is a bit of your friend who is also or was also a phone sex worker. But, you know, coming back to Daisy, how did that character yeah. make her way into your script? You know, she felt like... Uh, a, a little bit of a mishmash of a former student uh, who came out to me while I was teaching her in class mm-hmm. and a, uh, a girl I was mentoring who, like, does burlesque and does like, and is a lesbian. And, and, you know, so these young women who, like, had this sexuality and the way that they presented it because they were a bit younger than me that I found like sort of shocking and yet intriguing. Um, And, you know, one of them had lots of baggage and was on lots of medication for a while and watching her sort of change her medications and go off of it was a fascinating thing for me to look at. So while none of the, neither of those people, um, like hit on me on, in the way that Daisy does to Sasha or behaved in this outrageous fashion. I think that they were the, the jumping off points. Mm-hmm. And certainly uh, we, we did, we have, I have seen, you know, my share of either unstable students or unstable interns in various places that, you know, you, you're trying to help, but you don't know how to help because you only see them once a week and uh, who, go off the deep end on you, and you don't know what to do. Right. Is there good money in uh, being a phone sex worker? Did your friend do okay, money-wise? Um, she doesn't do it anymore. Uh, yeah, she did okay. You know, I think it's very dependent on how 
often you, you know, because it's very much a, up to you how often you get online. Okay, yeah. And uh, when you do it enough, uh, you get, you can raise your prices and things like that. So it, it, and if, so if you become in demand, you can raise your prices and make more money. I, it, it doesn't seem like a bad way to make money. It certainly worked for her for a while. She had to work from home, so. Yeah. Mm-hmm. You were talking about some character stuff and how you really enjoy, you know, you, I think you said that your, one of your strengths as a writer comes from your character stuff. One of the things I noticed was the use of montages in this script really isn't for time passing as much as it is to show character stuff. When just mm. different interactions between some characters and you're just sort of showing brief little scenes and then moving into the next one, it isn't about time passage as much as it is about relationshipy character stuff. Yeah, it's about, like, progression of... Of relationships, yeah. for sure. Yeah, not of time. I thought that was really cool. Do you do that in your other scripts as well? Um, hmm. I mean, I don't know. I feel like I feel like I'm using it for time passing, and maybe I'm just not. <laughs> you know, maybe. Maybe Jack has pointed out something that I didn't actually see. Well, you know, in terms of building a relationship with somebody, you could only do that through the passing of time and spending time together. Mm, there we go. That's sweet. <laughs> yeah, you know, so in my head, it's it's probably passage of time, but that's not how I'm writing it. Mm-hmm. it. It feels like the soundtrack for this movie it would be really key in setting mood. Have you thought about at all soundtrack-wise for this? <laughs> I haven't really, although I do like, I, I imagine that like a lot of girl punk. Yes. Okay. Would be in there. Um, yeah, I get some Slater Kinney in there. As I, uh, I, as I'm in post-production for our second episode of The Haven, that music is the thing that I have the hardest time communicating, mm. like what I want. Like I know it when I hear it, but I can't tell you what I, it needs to be. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Which is really, really frustrating for the poor sound people who, the composer and, you know, the people helping me find music. I'm bad. I'm bad at <laughs> articulating that. So, so at some point I need to find somebody who's really good at it to work with me. Have you given any thought to casting who you'd like to see? One of the things that I thought of as I was reading this, and a character that we haven't mentioned yet, is the neighbor, Noreen, who is always so annoyed about the cat being on the balcony. It's a shame that, I had to look up her name, actually. It's a shame that Catherine Joosten isn't still alive anymore. She was Mrs. Landingham on the West Wing, and that's exactly who I saw as Noreen as I was reading this. Yeah, you know... um, I guess with this one, I have not said it, you know, I didn't do a, a fantasy, I didn't do a fantasy Hollywood casting of it, um, partially because there, there was one point where uh, it, it, there was some producers out in L.A. who were talking about potentially doing it, and it was going to be very indie, and I don't know if there was going to be a star in it at all, no. and now that I'm producing here in Chicago, I'm like, do I try and produce one of my films next? Is that, like, the next step in my journey? And... Um, and then, I don't know, I feel like if I start plugging even remotely famous people in no, I get it. to those roles, I'll only have to, you know, I don't want to feel like I'm settling. Right. You know, I want to I wanna be able to, you know, or some people that I imagined, I'm like, oh, maybe they're too old now. <laughs> <laughs> or not in the world anymore, which, again, it's a shame that Catherine Houston's passed away. Yes, exactly. That's true. But yeah, there are so many women in their 50s who could play Noreen. She's oh, yeah. a great role. Yeah. Um, talk to us a little bit about your web series. You. Ah, yeah. So uh, you know, it's funny when I was working when I first started working at the shelter full time. It was maybe a few months into the job where I was like, "This would make an amazing television show," because it has, you know. Literally, there has never been a television show set in a domestic violence shelter. Like, maybe occasionally one will go there in one of, like, the CSI or Law & Order shows. But yeah. there's never been, you know, people have no idea what that setting is and what happens there. And I think the assumption is that it's very depressing. Um, women being abused is very depressing, but, you know, people are at the shelter because they got away from that person. So most of the time, 
their lives are a complete and total mess, but they're not currently being abused. They're in the process of rebuilding their lives, which is hopeful. And there is uh, just an insane amount of weird craziness that happens as well. So I was like, this would be a great show where the, the staff is the primary cast and then the residents are sort of this revolving door of other characters that come in and out but you wouldn't have to just kick them off after every episode because a lot of women stay at a shelter for several months oh yeah and so you know you'd get to have some more developed story arcs with those people and so i i wrote a a one-hour pilot and a friend of mine and i were talking about like do we what do we do how do we produce this but you know, I, I felt like if I, I could potentially try and sell it out in L.A., but then it, it, what would happen is what happens with every Chicago show, that even if I convinced them to shoot it, it would all be produced and written out in L.A. And one of the things that here in Chicago we're so desperate to have things produced and written here because we have so much talent here and people keep having to leave to to get really good paying work. Right. So, um, and, you know, the people who stay, they will get cast in Chicago Fire or PD or Justice or whatever they're called, but it's only as a day player. You know, there's only a couple of Chicago actors who are cast as regular characters on those shows. Everybody else is imported from L.A., and that's a really frustrating thing for all the incredibly talented people here. So, we decided instead of shooting the pilot or trying to sell the pilot that we would create a web series where we would showcase the talent that's here and, you know, both on camera and say, this is what we can do. And it's a show that's mostly about women and mostly about women of color. And I have also tried to get mostly women behind the camera um, and a lot of women of color behind the camera as well. So it's been... Uh, an amazing experience. I literally, you know, when I first came up with the idea, I was like, no one is going to watch a show that is about women and women of color. Like, there's nothing like this out there. And then Orange is the New Black came out. Right. And I was like, thank you, Genji Cohan. You have broken down that wall for me. And now I'm going to try and make this show. So, Hell yeah. you know, I, I mean, up. that show really did prove that people were perfectly willing to watch a show about mostly women of color. Mm-hmm. Well, and you mentioned Dear White People also. You could, I mean, that was a movie that then they turned into a series that builds off of what happened in the film. You got a movie right here, and you're right there. Yeah, it's very similar. I mean, I think tonally, uh, The Haven, you know, it's not, it doesn't have quite the, the sex-positive thing going on that okay. Hotline does. You know, it definitely uh, focuses more around domestic violence and the different facets of it, because I think that in people's heads, it's always a man. And it's always a man hitting his female partner. And, you know, there are people who are abused by their kids. And there are people who are abused by their parents. Mm. And there are people who are abused in all sorts of weird situations. And it's not always women who are the victims. And it's not always men who are the perpetrators. And so being able to have, like, a series where you really get to show these different weird permutations that happen is, you know would be fantastic if I can, you know, get the money to shoot the last two episodes. That's so cool. Yeah. So, um, gosh, if somebody wanted to get in touch with you, if they wanted to work with you on The Haven, what is the best way for somebody to contact you? Uh, I would say to go to our website, which is thehavenweb.com. So thehaven, H-A-V-E-N-W-E-B.com. And there is information about our mission and who we are, and there's a way to donate on there if you want to, and then there's a contact button, and you can click on that, and it'll go to our Haven email, and you can reach me through there. Okay. That's so cool. I would really, really like to think, I would hope, boy, that would be so cool if somebody listening to this show, like, if that, if they were able to, like, wow, Mia's cool, I'd really like to get involved and help make the rest of what she's doing happen. Yeah. That would be amazing. That would be amazing. It is so much work. It's so hard. I'm like, somebody please come rescue me and produce this for me. I mean, I like part of the producing, but it's like I'm doing a lot of it myself, and it's hard. Yeah. Um, Well, Mia, you know, just props to you. Kudos to you. 
I hope that you keep doing such great stuff with your web series. I would love to read more of your work. Yes, so, please. You know, if, if you ever want to come back on the show and follow up with some of the stuff you're doing, just let us know because we love you. We love what you're doing. We want to talk more about your work. Oh, thank you so much. I would love to do that. Yeah, for sure. We're really glad to have you on. This was, uh, this was really great. Thank you very much. Well, thank you for having me. And we will make sure that uh, scriptshopshow.com will have uh, contact info for you as well so people, if they want to get in touch with you, they can. Great. Okay. Thanks so much, Mia. Thanks, Mia. All right. You guys have a good night. Thank, thank you. you. You too. Well, you know what's cool is when you're excited about talking to somebody and then you have them on and then it doesn't disappoint. That was such a fast interview. That, yeah, that yeah. time flew. These are the kinds of things that just, I mean, this and all other episodes, you guys, but like, honestly, look at the cool ass shit we're doing here. Mia was cool. This is incredible. Yeah, agreed. <sighs> now that we're done talking about ourselves and how great <laughs> the things we are is doing, writers, we love your work. We love the things that are important to you. You change our lives. So please send your scripts in um, through our website, script sh- sh- I'm sorry, so sorry. scriptshopshow.com slash submit. Yes. We want to read your work, so and send it our way. If you want us to gush all over you, we can do that if you send us your work. So please, uh, we would like to keep doing that. Uh, in terms of checking us out on a more casual level, we are on Facebook, we are on Instagram, we are on Twitter, at Script Shop Show. Uh, on Twitter, I am uh, at Script Shop Jack. I'm your bestie, Westy. And you can uh, follow us. We're funny-ish. Uh, I'm funny. I pick on Jack a lot on Twitter. <laughs> There's a really great you, picture of me that I texted you <laughs> that I instantly regretted texting you because then it got posted. Straight up there. Because we also have the Script Shop Show Twitter, but then our right. own personal one. So there's like this fun... Uh, menage a trois of Twitter going on. What? <laughs> uh, get online, check us out. We'd love to uh, be friends with you and have you uh, be friends with us. And please, uh, iTunes, uh, rate, subscribe, leave us a comment, uh, all that stuff. We're on Google Play. We're on... Stitcher, SoundCloud, Google Play, Stitcher, SoundCloud, iTunes, and our website currently. Yeah. Frank, anything else? Oh, Frank, no. your mic's been oh. on this entire time. All that and I had all this power this whole time, <laughs> were, and I didn't use it. You were quiet as a church mouse, man. Uh, There's a bunch of other little, um, I'll call them small players, that pick up what iTunes and okay. so forth release. So Awesome. Who knows? If you can't get a hold of us and you want to listen, get a hold of us through email, and we'll figure it out for you. Yeah, we'll make it happen. Yeah. So, until next week, Thanks, friends. Guys. That's a wrap. Script Shop was created by Allison West. Hosted by Allison West and Jack Crumley. Produced by Frank Steele. Thanks to iHeartMedia Cincinnati for use of their studio. Intro music, Retro Soul by Bensound.com. Outro music by Purple-Planet.com. Special thanks to all our guests. Thanks for listening. Thanks for listening.